Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's celebrating the anniversary of the craziest night on Texas Twitter in recorded history. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Um, I'm curious. I haven't seen this specific costume, but I also don't follow all of the opposing fan bases. But uh, I don't know if any of them were monkeying around with uh, with Halloween um, cages and, and and potentially licensed or unlicensed pets in the greater Austin area um, that are at the ho- homes of of coaches on the UT staff. I'll leave it at that without any specifics. Obviously, you can't decipher what I just said. Um, but no, I mean, look, guys, we, the last time we saw a Texas football game, it was um, only kept close by Jeff Banks. So I will, uh, I will, you will find no slander here. This is the opposite of slander, you, uh, when it comes to, to St. Banks, man. He could do whatever the heck he wants uh, if he keeps churning out special teams uh, bangers uh, as, as he had. But yeah, uh, Gerald, what, what, would, what would you be? For Halloween this year, what if if you were to dress up, or maybe you did? What what was your Halloween costume or hypothetical Halloween costume? Uh, I was the guy that pushed the stroller for Halloween <laughs> okay, this year. Right. Was, no, uh, no, I've got three small children, and uh, so that is that is my job uh, to to wrangle them. And uh, we last year, I think no, it was two years. We did wreck it, Ralph. I was Ralph, and one of Ooh. my children was uh, Fix It Felix. My wife was Vanellope. Um, so like we've done that before. We we've had some ideas, but it was one of those where like the kids have been sick and it's just been like a, it's just been a week. So um, we had costumes for them. We did trunk or treats, but no, I was not dressed up. I was not monkeying around. I was not um, assassinating nor really near any poles. Actually, to be frank with you, uh, but we had some fun. We had some. My kids made some crafts. They did some uh, some chocolate dipped spider cookies. It was great. It was good. Okay. Time. Okay. I think yeah. if I could have any costume in the world, it would be as a. Uh, an underperforming NCAA football coach that someone would have to hand me uh, 10 to, to $20 million. Um, I think Auburn is, is the latest, but surely not the last. Uh, best again, job in the world, man. Best job. Absolute best job in the world is to be a fired Division I uh, head coach of a football team. Absolutely. Let me live that buyout life. We're not here to talk about polls nor buyouts. We're here to talk about a team that's number three. In the polls, Texas women's basketball, we're taking advantage of the other half of the bye week where we would normally do our recap show. We're going to fit in a women's basketball preview coming off of a massive, massive uh, exhibition game for charity over DePaul. We'll go through a full breakdown, much like we did with the men's basketball team last week. If you missed that, check it out in the Thursday show, Burn Orange Nation podcast feed. We'd love to have you listen to that. Well, down the 40, a lot of a championship level play going on on campus so we'll talk about that and obviously we'll close the show out with some bang the drum so Texas has high hopes high expectations this year on the men's basketball court we talked about it the last two years under Vic Schaefer have been overachieving years they were not expected to make these deep runs and they did and it's looking like 
they're not going to slow down anytime soon. DePaul was not in the in the poll officially. They were in the receiving votes category. Uh, but Texas beat them by uh, a solid 43 points. You don't really do that in playing 2K or whatever your, uh, I guess 2K is the only basketball game out there now. Live doesn't exist anymore. But um, like DePaul was averaging 87 uh, points per game last year. They held them to just 62, forcing 29 turnovers in this. And we'll kind of use this to set up our, um, our preview, but like the Schaefer ball is in full effect and the, the games don't even count anymore. Or the games don't even count yet. Yeah, uh, you could have also, by the way, gone with NCAA 2009. I believe that was the last college basketball uh, game in which I, I had a deep run with the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. But um, no, uh, before this game happened, I wrote most of the preview, maybe all of it even, uh, out. And, and I, I had high hopes. And I wondered, you know, seeing a team with... Uh, an All-American on the roster, you know, is in forward um, uh, Anisha Morrow uh, with a, a really long-tenured coach who has a good program and has them in a good spot, a team that was in the tournament last year in the, you know, Vic said it after the game. I mean, it's a top 25 program right now in the country um, and uh, a team that led the nation in scoring last year. I, I, I thought it was a pretty darn good test for a team that had really high expectations, Gerald, but uh, I did not anticipate in any world <laughs> that Texas would look this good this soon. What do we always say about Vic teams? We say they take a little bit of time to get the Vic system, the defense he wants them to play, the ball pressure, right? The You know, it, those freshmen are now sophomores, but they're still only in the second year. You just, I, 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 Vic teams get better as the year goes on. If that is the case this year, boy, watch out, because they were Incredible. I mean, just just absolutely amazing. After basically being pretty close to tied in the first quarter, I think it was 80-40 uh, across the next three. So, I mean, they, they just dominated this one pole to pole with the second you know team getting in there and, and absolutely dominating. I mean, they, they were even a little bit short-staffed. Uh, Kendall Hunter wasn't playing. And then, you know, the, the third of their lauded transfers, uh, forward Kendall Jones, one of their bigs this year, uh, also not playing, but didn't, didn't matter. Anyone who was available uh, and everyone who played just looked – Phenomenal. I mean, really, truly, honestly, phenomenal. Like you mentioned, 47 points by transfers. Aaliyah Moore did her thing with 20. Gianna Gatson was 8 of 8 from the field, scoring 18. Rory Harmon, 10 dimes in 26 minutes. A massive, massive outpouring from the offense. I think the biggest thing, though, the massive outpouring here um, is that this was a charity game for Texas. It was an exhibition. Um, but they, Coach Schaefer uh, said that he would give $1,000 for every 1,000 fans that showed up. Well, 3,465 chipped in. Michael Huff, uh, Texas A&M, Matt, Ben's basketball coach, Buzz Williams, Cheryl Allen, and Carol Palumbo all uh, pledged to match. So it's looking like somewhere in the range of like Twelve to twenty thousand uh, dollars raised by attendance. So, like, that is an incredible. Um, going to the Moving Forward Foundation that benefits Uvalde uh, ISD and all the families that have been affected by the shooting there. So, um, man, massive, massive uh, show up from the, the fans and uh, a massive outpouring of of charity and love uh, to all the folks in Uvalde. We still are thinking and praying for you, and uh, we you are never far from our thoughts. That's right. I mean, such a cool thing, such a cool cause, uh, and truly we don't give it enough uh, absolute props and, and respect for uh, Aggie's coach, Buzz Williams, who's a good friend of Vic and, and obviously a, a Texan who who is uh, you know close to um, 
the the tragedy just the same as all the people in Austin all across the state and the country uh, have been. So for for him pitching in, which is obviously a Longhorn game, was was a really cool thing to see. But um, just great. I mean that that the fact that thirty five hundred people showed up for an exhibition um, says they wanted to see this team, but also says you know a really great job by the Texas basketball team using this opportunity to to make it bigger, uh, get people in, get the excitement, get the energy, but also get you know get it back to a good cause i just think so well done like one of the best most well done things texas has done in a minute so credit to vic credit to the operations staff to the cdc whoever had input into this i think it was just spot on perfect big ups in deed so that dominating performance leads us into talking about expectations for this Texas team coming off of back to back elite eight runs. Uh, both of those were, let's just say it ahead of schedule. Um, like especially Schaefer's first year. We're like, I don't know what this is going to be, but it's going to be something. And they went to the elite eight, which was absolutely shocking. He got as much out of that team as he could. Did it twice, fell to the two seed Stanford, had a shot at that, uh, had a shot at that game early if, if memory serves, but uh, Stanford was just really good. And they got some help from the refs. It's fine. Um, but Texas is one of three teams that have a player on each of the five 20 person position watch list. So they're just great all over. Uh, Texas is having to replace a lot of players, a lot of names that you're probably familiar familiar with. Uh, Joanne Allen Taylor has moved on to Greener Pasture. She graduated. Uh, friend of the show, fan, fan favorite, Audrey Warren is in Georgia. Lauren Ebo is at Notre Dame. Um, Aliyah Matharu uh, went through the portal to Florida. Latasha Lattimore is in Miami. Kobe King Huea is at JMU. Texas also has to replace three coaches in that as well, but they've still got a lot of talent coming back as well. Those are huge, huge senior size, super senior size holes to fill, uh, but with the talent that's still on campus uh, obviously people have high hopes and you and i do as well yeah the, the coaching one is almost crazier than a lot of players leaving for sure but the coaching one with april phillips uh deanna jackson durrett um both taking head coaching jobs i mean vic that's what he wants for his assistance that's amazing that's three in two years uh now for coach schaefer calamity mcintyre also taking an assist, uh, assistant head coach job for her old head coach moving up basically in the ranks at, uh, at illinois um so just there's a lot, a lot of turnover. Again, why I said I was surprised by the the initial showing against a good opponent. Um, they came out and and looked like you know they have been completely uh, con you know continuity all all across the board. Um, Warren was the heart and soul. Joe and Alan Taylor was kind of the engine. Um, and then you look at Matharu, who was their leading scorer. Ebo, who had some big games and big presence inside. Um, how are you going to do it? And and. We, we talk about, you know, the players coming in, but remember the players that are here, right? Because that's the core of this team. And I think it, it, it kind of begins and ends how far they go this year with the two sophomores who were freshmen last year who, who you know, especially by the end of the season were two of the best players in the country. That sophomore point guard, Rory Harmon, who averaged 11.4 uh, 11 points and five assists a game, just one or two unanimous Big 12 preseason selections. Um Last year, she was an honorable mention All-American, Big 12 Freshman of the Year. Basically, though, you know, she could play great defense. Big 12 defensive team led the conference at steals as a freshman, which is incredible. Um, but that last month of the season, she could do it all. I mean, she put up a 30-point uh, game in the Big 12 uh, championship tournament. She, she you know, basically went the, the, the whole postseason with, like, three turnovers to, you know, every uh, 10 assists. She she was just or more than that. I think she had, like, three turnovers the whole time. Um, but, you know, she was just really incredible. I mean, le legitimately, as a freshman, was one of the four or five players that could have 
single-handedly won the NCAA championship for their team. She was that important. So, you know, Harmon coming in the exhibition, she threw a pass, and we'll, we'll talk about Shea Holly in just a moment. Maybe I'll talk about Shea Holly now, one of the fastest players in the country. Not, not just not just the team, not you know the conference, the country. She holds still a few Westlake sprinting records from her time in, in track and field in high school. But there was a pass that you know it was the equivalent of a through ball in soccer. Harmon grabbed a rebound underneath the basket, looked up court, saw Holly on her own side of 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 half court with a player next to her, and knew that no one could keep up with her, and just threw a you know a quarterback pass equivalent of a through ball had it bounced in front of Holly who ran onto it, basically had it corralled underneath the other rim and laid it in for an easy layup. I mean that, if we see that kind of fast break, that vision and, and Roy Harmon celebrated, like she just hit a 10 pointer, you know, they don't even have those in, in regular basketball, I think in, in all-star games, but regular basketball, you don't get 10 pointers. It's hard to get that excited about assists, but she was like going nuts. I love that. I think she gets happier about assists than any player does for points. And I love that. I think she's the perfect point guard for a Schaefer team um it's the defense she plays the ability to spread the ball she will get her nights where she has points but she's going to facilitate to all the other weapons and again I think she's one of the most important players in the country this season and the other it goes hand in hand is sophomore Leah Moore who you know had some injuries took just a minute to get up to expectations as the top five player in the country last year a lot of people had her just you know tab to immediately come in and dominate the Big 12. Took her a little bit to get going between injuries and getting, you know, in, in Vic's system, but by the end of the season point, did she? I mean, just double-doubles, 20-point nights. I mean, honestly, the reason when you talked about Stanford and some refs, her foul trouble is probably what, you know, yep. lost the, the game for, for Stanford. When she was in, it was a completely different game. She's just truly a dominant big, and, and you know, Texas has some bigs this year, and if they can uh, spread around a little bit of the de- defensive matchups, keep her out of foul trouble and let her dominate – it's going to be a good year. Yeah, and I think you mentioned more depth at, at the bigs for Texas. Um, Khadijah Faye came off the bench and had 10 rebounds, five on the offensive side, right? Like, that is a massive, and she scored 11, like, in her times. So, like, it wasn't just uh, her coming in, but she was, a, she was a force. And so she's a transfer in from Texas Tech. It always feels good to uh, steal a Texas Tech player, suck it, suck it, Red Raiders. Um, but, like, it's not just that you want to make sure that uh, your star big, your, your, you know, your 6'1", forward uh, who's a sophomore still which is just crazy to think about but like when you've got um like I said, Khadijah Faye, who's coming in and is giving you quality minutes. Like, I think that was the biggest issue for Texas last year is that it felt like there was a, like, like you said, when Aaliyah Moore came off the floor, there was a massive dip in production from the front court. And that's really where I think is going to be the differentiator for Texas is that they've gotten better. Not only did they add Khadijah Faye, they added, uh, so we're still waiting for to see Femme Masudi come on. Like there's options there. And I think that's part of what, uh, Coach Schaefer was talking about all the last two years is that he wanted to get more athletic in the front court, wanted to be able to run more, wanted more athleticism. So for me, that's the that's what I'm hoping to see. And I, I talked about it in the men on the men's preview as well. It's like, what is the Texas front court going to be? Because we know what the guards are going to do. The guards are going to do what the guards are going to do. Hmm. But when Texas plays a team like Stanford, where they've got quality bigs, so they've got athletic bigs, can you weather a storm where your star where your stars are? unfortunately sat on the bench because the refs have a quick whistle. Like what's, what's that going to look like? And so that was a, that was one of the more promising things for me to see was that, you know, like I said, Khadijah Faye came in 11 points, 10 boards, five on the offensive side in uh, 14 minutes and like seven of her 11 points are from the, from the line. So like she got to the paint, f- forced them to foul her, which again, works out better for Texas in the long run get them into the bonus, get some cheap, easy buckets. That's how you, that's, that's how you win a Vic Schaefer game. And here's the thing. Faye is absolutely, uh, 
you know is great as as that you know second center um but she's absolutely going to be coming behind taylor jones when she's healthy right jones is is a player who is you know the best big in the transfer portal this year, arguably 12.3 points, 8.8 rebounds. Um, 6'4 will come in and be one of the big tallest players. She's from Forney, Texas originally, so she's got Texas roots, though she came from Oregon State. She'll have two years of eligibility. She was injured for most of last year, and, and we're hoping she can get healthy in time for the season this year. But, I mean, a, a, a Pac-12 first team, all-defense type player, led the Pac-12 in blocks uh, two years ago. So, I mean, it just, just what she can do is, is um, you know, really compliment more and then you talked about Khadija Faye Deona Gaston if, if this step up is real right she was good last year and she kind of progressed all through the season after a sophomore breakout she's a junior now and and she started a lot when you know more was coming off the bench or when more was hurt and they flipped a little bit towards the end of the year but if, if you're talking about four bigs right there or at least more uh Gaston you know Jones and then and then Faye being the secret weapon at 6'4 um you, I mean you you have size, you have rotation, you have depth, you have people having an on night. But Gaston is is just certainly efficient. She doesn't need the ball. She's going to get yep. some rebounds and put it back. She's our, our top field goal percentage, you know, um, on the team the past two years. I think she was eight for eight on this one to get her way to eighteen points. Like just um, that that makes me feel a lot better uh, about like all the players that left. You know. We loved because we loved last year's team and the run they made. Um, but basically, when you're taking a look at you know uh, Audrey, when you're looking at Audrey Warren, who's not really a big, but she had to play big just because she's such a scrapper and can play inside. Lauren Ebo, who's a, who's a big but limited a little bit with Vic's defense, you know who he wants to be, you know hounding on one end and sprinting down to the other. Which wasn't necessarily her game, um, and and Latasha Lattimore, who you know just hadn't have a chance to put it together in her time there. You basically upgraded with both experience and uh, you know some size and and probably matches and play style right there uh, at the bigs. And and I talked about Shea Holly, who's kind of that wing who who you know can be a guard, can can go in a little bit uh, on the inside and grab some rebounds, shoots the three well, and again one of the fastest players in the country. So I mean it's a nice little mix you have there. Kendall Hunter would see you know a top. 25 player last year who didn't play as much as her other freshman can she get in uh as the last returning player and kind of play uh a little bit more her first game as a freshman she erupted for 27 points uh seven of eight from deep you know against new orleans admittedly but still she'll get some time early in the season i i hope uh to really show what she can do and try to crack that rotation because the talent is just so far there but if you're going to talk about guards, Gerald, you have to talk about the two. We talked about the other two transfers. This is the, the the two biggest players. This is why Texas got up to number three. This is why national writers and national season previews are saying, how did, how did Texas do this? They basically added the two best players from, from guards in their respective conferences <laughs> into the fold of a team that already has some talent and some other transfers. They, I, I mean... The portal changes everything, and Vic said he likes to develop players, but it's kind of like Nick Saban, right? You tell him, like, this is what you're doing. He's going to go get good at that. And, and Vic clearly uh, has shown that, you know, three of the four transfers that came in were uh, honorable mention preseason Big 12, you know, and again, that's his never playing Big 12 basketball. So they could very easily, any number of them, make the actual team. And that's, um, you know, uh, Sonia Morris played against DePaul, her old team where she was dominant, all, all Big East first team, three-time All Big East player, number nine all-time in career points, and just had a night. 
I don't think that was because she was playing her old teammates. I think we're going <laughs> to see a lot of that from her. And there's something to be said about getting old fast, right? Like that's the that's the beauty yep. of the portal and a lot of championship basketball, especially on the women's side, it's about getting old and getting old fast. And as good as Rory Harmon is, as good as Aaliyah Moore is, they're both sophomores, right? So adding some elder states people, adding some juniors, adding some grad transfers, adding some seniors, adding both um, that that experience and the depth and the uh, I don't like the stalwartness that comes with age and experience, right? Like when push comes to shove, like Rory Harmon is nineteen twenty, right? Like there there is there's a reason why a lot of championship programs have a lot of older players when you see it, right? It's not generally always the team that's got the one and done guy or the one and done person. Uh, you don't see one and dones in the women's side, but like when you think about the men's tournament, right? It's not the one and done teams that generally uh, get it done. It's the teams that have a couple of elder players on it. And the same thing goes, especially on the ladies side, right? Like there's something to be said for experience, something to be said for uh, going to both coasts and adding the best guard on either coast, right? You grab the best player from the big, He's the best player um, from BYU. You had the Oregon State center. Uh, and then you go into Tilebic and, again, steal their center as well. Like, there's <laughs> there's something to be said both about adding talent and experience. Like, when you add both of those things simultaneously, that's the power of the portal. And so I think there is um, very lofty expectations for this group. And I think it also allows this big recruiting class that, that Coach Schaefer brought in, uh, which – a lot of these, a lot of these players could suit up, could lace up and play this year. But thankfully, and, and now that they've added these uh, really three, four impact transfers, these freshmen get a year to really acclimate uh, and get their feet underneath them. That's a really great point um, because the, the the freshman class is so good. I don't want to skip real quick though. Shaylee Gonzalez is a name the listeners need to uh, have on their lips, right? She was an honorable mention All American with Rory Harmon last year, uh, WCC Player of the Year, BYU's you know number ten all time in points. Uh, I mean, when you bring two players like Gerald said from either coast who average eighteen points a game, right? Sonia Morris averaged eighteen. Shayla Gonzalez averaged 18.3 and, and six rebounds and four and a half assists. She can really do it all. It's going to be, you know, a three. They're both two guards, but you're going to put them both on the court with, with Rory Harmon and have a, a really great three-guard rotation where everyone can handle, everyone can shoot, right? It, it, it it's They didn't shoot the ball well. They scored 100 points, and they didn't shoot the three ball well. That's going to be a strength of theirs this year, especially from last season where they were. So, you know, there is still levels to this team. But you're right, Gerald. I think... When you think about where this team is going, you have to look at this really great, great class. And another one already t- shaping up in 23, but for, for this class that just came on uh, campus, you know, one of the X factors in, in the country, I think, that people were talking about um, was uh, w- what exactly can Jacqueline Mwenintanda uh, do? She came from South Dakota. You don't get a lot of All-Americans from there, but a, a 6'2 guard who's a pure scorer. She was in some publications as high as a number 10 player. And on... on any other team, you're talking about her as the X-Factor freshman who's playing right away, right? She's that good with her size as a guard who can score. Um, you just you, – because this team is so deep at the guard with those seniors, those super seniors who you talked about in the portal, she's just going to be a player who gets to play, build up some experience, learn the Vic way. She fouled out in the uh, exhibition, right? Like Vic wants aggression but controlled aggression. So there's there's those learning curves, but she'll get to play a lot in some of the, you know, the big win games, which Texas will inevitably have. Um, and does can that turn into some late season where she can be brought in in a spot? Again, being a 6'2 guard who could score, who could post up, who can just get up. She's so smooth in her attacking the basket. Like she can be an X-factor this year again. Put her on any other team in the in the you know 
the country or about all but four. Um, she's a she's a big time first year player, but I think it will really um, help her learn the college game. And then you know you, you look at Amina Muhammad, who who from DeSoto, Texas, another you know McDonald's All American, six four and growing. I think she was six two when she graduated high school. They they had her at six four, and some people said she she seems to be getting taller. Um, <laughs> but a, a top fifty player as high as twenty nine in some publications just is is going to be another depth rotation. Learning from those bigs we just talked about and just named uh, in that front court, she can give you good minutes, but she can also absorb and 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 play uh, you know either either post and 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 do it well. Uh, and then Jordana Codio was one I was really excited about, number sixty seven player, but she will redshirt this year. It was announced uh, kind of in the lead up to the the start of the games that uh, the ACL injury she suffered in the offseason will, will actually just give her the full year to redshirt. Uh, I think, you know, she's going to be great for, for Texas. You, you hope that you can keep all this talent as you bring more in too. But um, again, just, just talent rich. Like these are freshmen who would be playing at most schools in the conference. That's convenience, right? That is the convenience that Texas has. They've got their own homegrown talent. They've got these big players coming in uh, that, that they can lean on. So some big games coming for uh, Texas. We had DePaul down as a big game, but uh, that turned out to not be a big game. Uh, scrimmage, another scrimmage against Wayland Baptist. Then they'll open the season on the fourth against Louisiana, and then they're heading up north to play UConn in game two. That's a big Big matchup. I think you'll know what they're made of by game two. And then they'll go to the Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas, which is nice. Very, very nice. Before playing USC at the American Airlines Arena in Dallas. Conference play doesn't open until New Year's Eve with Kansas State. The Big 12 uh, might be another um, another meat grinder on the ladies' side for the uh, basketball this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good uh, conference. There's a stretch in, in – uh, they open, like, the men on the, the kind of New Year's Eve. At, when they get into January, mid-January to the end of it, there's kind of a 15-day stretch um, – heading to the end of the month where they play KU who's right outside, you know, the, I think they were the top others receiving votes, the, the Texas football position, if you will, this year. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But they play uh, Kansas, then ISU, who again is a, is a elite eight team who uh, split Texas for votes from the coaches to win the conference Um, at tech, which, you know, Lubbock Uh, at Baylor, which again, talk about a passing of a guard, right? Like Baylor's used to being number one all the time. And there's people, Texas and Iowa State picked ahead of them. Um, so they might just be angry by that point in the season. Uh, and then OU, who is really, really good and returns a ton um, in succession. I mean, that's that's a really tough stretch that we'll find out. And then, again, really maybe the battle for the Big 12 title. Uh, they play in Ames uh, the day before Valentine's Day to, to really find out if Texas can win both of those against Iowa State. Boy, this is this team is it. They're, they're legit. If they can split a home-and-home home maybe with them and hope to, you know, turn out enough that they can win the conference. Those really are the two teams that are the class of the conference. But, I mean, you want to talk about this is Texas's year? I, I still think you're talking about sophomores and juniors for the most part here, but you brought those super seniors in, so you have a two-year window, really. But uh, you, if, if, if you made Cinderella runs, now the whole eyes of the nation are on you, and you, you get to prove it in Connecticut, where you are ranked above Connecticut. You know, they're number six, and that's uh, – that's a big deal. Vic against Gino, uh, you got to prove it. You know, you got to go play Baylor twice, and they're going to, you know, want to knock you off your pedestal. OU thinks they should be a top 10 team this year with the talent they have coming back. So Texas is going to have 
targets on their back this year. You come in with a number three record, all these preseason awards and votes, there are going to be a lot of people wanting to take shots at Texas the way that we you know, have it in other sports. Texas doesn't get the advantage of having Baylor with Kim Mulkey in the conference. And I know it's weird to say that's an advantage, but everyone's looking at them and you could come up and have a nice little season in the periphery this year. All eyes on Texas. You're the number three team in the nation. You, Everyone wants to beat you. Enjoy that target on your back, right? Heavy is the head that wears the crown, so you might as well enjoy it. So we'll obviously keep up with all of the ladies' games as they kick off their season here in the coming weeks. We're excited to bring you coverage of the women's basketball team. It's going to be fun. They're, again, one of the best teams in the country, and uh, the Big 12 is going to be crazy competitive. Yeah, and, and just just real quick, uh, we talked about her a lot last year. Kansas State won't have uh, Ioka Lee, who's one of the probably three best players in the country. She's missing the whole year with rehab, but they do have Iowa State's uh, kind of preseason Big 12 player of the year. N- not really unexpected uh, to be a, uh, a favorite for player of the year and super senior Ashley Jones who came back for, she was, she was a top 10 draft pick like grade last year. She somehow had her as high as five uh, and she decided to come back. She wants to win some stuff with Iowa state and maybe win national player of the year. So there is a lot of talent. OU brings back everybody from a good team who went, had a tournament run. Every, every big 12 team won their tournament game last year. They all won their first round game. Everyone who made it, Iowa state, OU Baylor, Kansas, um, K state, you know, might even just find something there. I mean, there's talent up and down this conference, but especially at the top, uh, there's a lot. So it's going to be fun. It'll be a good team to cover. There's really not going to be boring games once you get into conference play. Uh, So this will be, this will be good. I'm, I'm excited. That's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down, the 40. Kyle, I'm running out of ways to describe the excellence of the back to number one Texas volleyball team. They were number two for a week. They lost one game, and then the other number one decided to uh, to drop that one as well. So it felt real, felt really good. So uh, it seems like they took that one loss personally. They absolutely beat the dog out of Texas Tech, 25 to 18, 25 to seven, and 25 to nine. I don't remember the last time I saw an opponent score single digits in a set. It's hard to do. It's hard to do against, like, you know, your, your practice squad. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> hard to do. But I, I will call scoring. this. You get a point every time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're right. With the new scoring in the past, whatever, 15 years since they've gone to rally scoring. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm calling this the Brian McKnight week, Gerald. Uh, Texas basketball back at one. Um, if any listeners, just a side note, if any listeners don't understand that reference, pause the podcast. Go to Spotify. Search back at one. Click Brian McKnight. Take the next four minutes and 19 <laughs> seconds or whatever it is and just enjoy your life. Just pure, sultry, sumptuous sounds of Brian McKnight giving you elementary counting lessons in the most sultry way possible. But Texas Volleyball, back at one. So after the big sweep of Texas Tech, they beat Kansas State 3-1 to one on the road. 25-23, to 23, a narrow one. 25-13, to 25-16, and 25-21. to That 25-23 to 23 was the narrow win for the Wildcats, and then they just decided to uh, pour it on in the last one. Uh, Logan Eggleston uh, probably on her way to a conference player of the week. They haven't announced those yet, but uh, between the two matches, she had 30 kills and 17 digs, which is, uh, those are good numbers, right? Those, those feel good? Those seem, I mean, the only better digs may be uh, Cowboys cornerback or Tay. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> Those are good digs. Quandre? Uh, huh. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. My apologies, <laughs> Quandre. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Maddie Skinner came in in that second game, too, and did her thing. Um, Molly Phillips was good this week, too. Just played really well from the center block along with Azer Neal. So, 
this team, I like it. I like where they're at. They got, what, five or six games left this year. I think um, maybe they get that sour taste from being knocked off number one for a matter of days, and that uh, <laughs> that inspires the six run. Six whole days. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was a rough six. It was it was Arctic out there. They were out in the winter uh, cold, but they come back home. Next up for them, TCU uh, on Wednesday. So get out there if you can. Great to support. Number 17, soccer. Uh, first, we got to mention this. Clinched the outright regular season title with a 3-1 to one win over OU Sucks in uh, the season finale. Um and then they went and decided to continue the domination and open the Big 12 tournament, obviously, as the top seed with a 4-0 win over Kansas State. Massive two-game stretch for the ladies, and the tournament continues this week. Yeah, finished the year with their only loss being to number 2 North Carolina, number 1 at the time. 12-1-4 uh, final record. I mean, just... Um the poll comes out. We're recording this Monday. This will come to your ears on Tuesday. I expect them to be higher than number 17 polls release on Tuesday. So maybe they can crack that top 15 uh, with a solid, solid end of season and a solid start to the, to the tournament looking every bit, the number one seed and every bit, a, a, um, you know, top five, top four, at least uh seed in the tournament. If they can keep this up for another week and, and get to the, the postseason tournament uh, unblemished. It's gonna, it's gonna be really, it's gonna be really hard to say they're not one of the one of the twelve best teams in the country, fifteen best teams in the country at that point. I mean, they should definitely have it, and uh, they should have a good number next to their name when the NCAA tournament starts. Four different Longhorns scored in the game over Kansas State. Holly Ward kicked off the scoring. Two minutes later, MJ Cox scored. Um, Lexi Missimo was in on both of those. Finally, she got one of her own on a PK five minutes later. And then in the second half, just to pour it on, Trinity Byers did what Trinity Byers does and registered her 21st point consecutive matches, which is absolutely insane. Nine consecutive matches with a point, which is which is incredible. 16th goal of the year record, uh, both those by Kelly Wilson program records, um, <clears throat> set back in the early 2000s. So Trinity Byers are doing things we haven't seen in the 40 acres in a while. Of course, Missimo just, you know, all over with points and assists. She missed some games where they'd basically be competing with each other. But right now, Byers the only player in the top 12 in points, goals, and assists. I think she's top three um, in uh, points and goals. Goals, top 12 in assists, just really doing some things. And, and again, if she's hot, Missimo's hot, and they have that telepathic uh, connection, that's why I think this team can make this postseason run. Next up for the West Virginia on Thursday team. They've obviously had success with uh, throughout the regular season. Number 12, men's basketball absolutely crushes number 10 Arkansas 90 to 60 in an exhibition a game in which Arkansas fans says Texas did not want it to be um, broadcast because Arkansas was going to destroy them uh, and then Arkansas came out and shot 40% from the floor so uh, sucks to suck hogs sucks to suck Gerald uh, you you surely follow Jason Isabel on on Twitter right I do uh, do do you know how to take care of thirty to fifty feral hogs within three to five minutes, um, so your <laughs> small kids can play? Because uh, if you think back to, I think it was like twenty nineteen Twitter when when uh, the the country uh, singer songwriter created a new meme template um, <laughs> that took over the internet for a week or two. Um, they, they killed feral hogs in just a few minutes. I mean, they uh, they they had it's. Weird to say, this is a Chris Beard team. Like I had to check, he still coached this team. They they 
they pushed the tempo. They ran fast break. They they got you know those easy buckets when you kick you push the ball out. They shot well from three. Um, you know they they folded in some new people and and some of the the, the old faces. Um, look great. I mean, I think I, I really like the way their defense is going to look with a with a three guard prong of Sir Jabari Rice coming in um, and Tyrese Hunter leading it and then letting Carr kind of guard the third best perimeter. Carr's a good perimeter defender when he's taking your third best perimeter option. I like where that's at. We'll see kind of how that no middle um, defense can can work without you know a true big in it. Uh, we've seen it work really really well does texas have the pieces and and you know can they get it going uh in time to to big 12 play which will be tough but i mean look you, this is a top 10 team like there's no doubt about it they're they're young they played some young guys but they had one of the best recruiting classes that's that's the young guys they're talking about on that arkansas team um and they they were one of the best teams in the country last year right that this is Mus- muscleman's one of the best coaches in the country so to, you could throw all the caveats you want on it it's an exhibition game it was at home whatever this was maybe the most impressive win of the Chris Beard era. Again, it's an exhibition, but um, it was incredible. Like just from the players we wanted to see step up and do some things, they pretty much did. Yeah, I mean, and, and Texas forced 23 turnovers, converted 26 off of them, uh, shot 10 of 16 uh, from deep on a bunch of open looks. Uh, didn't hurt that five-star from Duncanville, Ron Holland, was in attendance, right? We have to mention this, Arterio Morris, who uh, we both have already made our feelings very clear on, is on the team, was, a, was good from three-point range, but again... We'll see how that works out, and we are both very bemused at his contribution at the game, but he hit four from beyond the arc was part of that uh, 10 points. So the official tip-off for Texas will be November 7th at home against UTEP. The Big 12 cross-country championships of this weekend, number 23 Texas placed, the men's Texas placed third while the women placed fourth. Uh, Isaac Alonzo set the pace for the men. He was the best individual finisher for Texas since 2017 with his third place finish. Half to Knight finished eighth while Roger Rivera rounded out the top 10 at number 10. On the ladies' side, Monica Hebner was the top finisher for the women at number 20. On the diamond, fall ball started for the men. We talked about it already, but baseball put the boots to San Jack 24 to one San Jack was coming in averaging like 12 runs a game against D one competition. They were really, really good. They're like a five time national champion at the Juco level, right? They are like the, um, the ish at the Juco level in Texas, um, really did a number to them. Yeah. I mean the, the, the two winningest baseball programs in the state of Texas. If you just look at it, right. They are the Texas of the Juco level. They have, uh, I think it's like 18 guys in the past five years drafted in major league baseball. Now, sometimes those guys go on to other programs. That's kind of their model as a Juco. Um, of course, but they're, when they're there, those, that's the talent level you're dealing with there. This is, this is maybe more surprising than the route of U of H in game one, honestly, 24 to one over 14 innings over, you know, the, the best Juco team, the team that was in the Juco world series last year, right? Like this is, this is a really good team. Um, I loved kind of the, the the quotes from their from their coach. Um, said it was arguably the most well-rounded Texas they've played over the years because they have played multiple times, uh, especially in this fall ball uh, format. Outstanding defensively, pitchers who throw strikes um, with all different pitches, even when they're behind, or especially when they're behind in count. They executed move runners. Um, coach Pierce has done it again is what he said. Another... Um, Coach said the pitching was unbelievable, 93 to 95 with hammers, which I love like that. Uh, Woody Williams seems to be, I mean, 
a lot of the question in this offseason was what do the arms look like? You have a lot of new ones. You lost a lot. Um, you have a, a new pitching coach, a new, new coaching staff entirely, but especially in you know the change to go from national assistant coach of the year to fired the next year to new guy up. Um, a lot of eyes are going to be on Texas pitching, and, and look, it, it looked good. I mean, the six foot eight USC transfer Charlie Hurley looks like he's ready to be a weekend starter. Where exactly he'll fall, we'll see. Um, but struck out five, gave up just one runner in three innings. Um, Zane Morehouse, who everyone raves about his stuff, struck out four in, in three innings. Those are guys who are vying for um, weekend starter or, or, you know, that fourth weeknight starter role, and, and they both looked electric. LeBaron Johnson and Dre Duplantier, your names will be familiar with as guys who have the stuff but gave up some, you know, some mainly home run balls was the biggest issue. Uh, last year had the stuff. I mean, seven combined, only two hits in four innings, seven combined strikeouts, that is. I mean, the, the, the pitching – to me, it looks great. I, I like it's early, it's fall ball, but this was notable. This is as good. I saw a couple people on Twitter who I trust uh, say this. They can't necessarily remember a fall ball where Texas looked this good this early with any team. I mean, it's it is a again. There's probably a talent differential. Not not a shot at Sanjack. Sanjack is incredible, but uh, they, Texas looked the part, right? This is what you need to do against these types of teams, and most teams struggle. And I think um, specifically from the mound, right? The bats are going to do what the bats do. Texas is going to be an offensive powerhouse for for several years to come. But the way that the pitching came out and really seemed to find it, um, like we. we do, uh, LeBaron and, and Duplantier were both liabilities at times last year, so mm. seeing them kind of find their find their footing and find their spots, find their placement early is a positive thing. Yeah, I'll just say one other thing. Mitchell Daly slid over from second to short. As you can't replace Trey Faltini, no one can. Um, but he's looking good defensively. I mean, they they looked good. They had a, they did load the bases up once, and and uh, Flores, the freshman at third base, made a diving stop, tag third, made a throw out to first. I mean, they're they're, they're making plays uh, in that infield. Um, it 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 looks like defense is going to be there again, and that's maybe that is not a last year was not a um, uh, an outlier. That's a Pierce, you know, that's what Pierce wants. They just they look like. They have the bones. We'll see. Long season, but to be one of the better defensive teams in the country uh, yet again. But I love seeing Daly and Mitchell guys. We saw last year and, and knew they had to take the step up in order if this team wants to get even close to where their goals uh, have been the past couple of years. And, and both of the both of those guys looking really good. Now that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha 1 or Big Bertha 2, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle... What are you making the drum on this week? One of my favorite things is when um, the city of Austin gets uh, a football game that isn't necessarily the regular game in that market, uh, <laughs> in, in the Texas market. And it used to be you get Titans games, weirdly, uh, on, on Sundays for a certain era, uh, year or three. Um, when there's a Texas quarterback, Austin gets the game. Um, we're excited. We, we love to root for these guys. I think a lot of eyes tuned in. I, I was in Austin on Saturday for our annual college or annual just bet extravaganza, not just college football, also won some uh, Formula One bets, but uh, <laughs> to uh, with, with good friends and we, uh, everyone was talking as much about college football as Sam Allinger is playing tomorrow. And, and it's a big deal. It's exciting. He's a guy who has been doubted a lot at every level and just kind of proved it, right? He's got, he's a, he's a winner. He's got the stuff. Um, 
he came out and he did his thing. He got his first career start for the Colts. They they didn't win, but it was probably mainly because they they didn't take the shackles off until the second half and let him just fly. And he he did great when they they finally did. Um, Seventeen for twenty three, two hundred and one yards, no interceptions. Didn't have any touchdowns, but um, stepped up in the pocket to make some good throws. Like looked like he was you know moving around to to make the throws. Uh, a good a good start. You know maybe not the greatest start. Maybe not you know the highlight. He did everything, but I. I I was very proud of, of Sam, of, of what he um, ended up accomplishing. So I went back and looked at Sam's first two first-ever starts. His first varsity start, um, no big deal, South Lake Carroll in 2014 against Westlake. It was a loss as well, Carroll 17, Westlake 14. Um, Ellinger in that one, 17 for 33, 185 yards uh, and a touchdown pass. 20 for 62 rushing. They, they leaned on him and also had a touchdown catch in that one because Sam can do it all um, on a trick play. It wasn't enough to get Carroll at the height of Carroll's uh, dominance. College, he came in 15 for 27, no interceptions, 222, one touchdown, seven rushes, 48 yards. Now, that was a slightly lesser opponent, a 56-0 to zero win over San Jose State in 2017. So these starting numbers are right on line for what went on to be an incredible high school career that, that was, you know, uh, everything you could want. A, a fantastic college career, just, you know, winning and making plays. Uh, it, it, it effectively lines up uh, with, with where he started in the NFL. Now, does that mean the next three years he's going to uh, win four, you know, 30 games in the NFL? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to predict that necessarily. But um, I, I do know that Sam is a winner. Sam is a guy who's going to do everything he can, you know, look at every angle of film to try to give himself every advantage and, and go out and, and, you know, trust himself to make plays. And I'm very excited to see um, for a team that's, you know, lacked a little bit of excitement this year. It seems like the fan base is embracing Sam as a, a chance to bring that. And so the entire Longhorn Nation watches on uh, as long as we can get the game and don't have to stream it uh, if we're back in Houston uh, to, to cheer on uh, Mr. Sam L. Inger, um, Samuel L. Inger. No, our, our, our boy, beautiful boy, Sam. Uh, good on you. I mean, it's great to see. Great, great to see somebody get to live out their dreams, even if it is because the owner doesn't like what the starter is doing, and I'm totally fine. Uh, thanks, Jim Irsay, for getting Sam the start. So I'm banging the drum this week on frustrations and perspective. That sounds like a Kid Cudi album from like 2000, right? <laughs> but, uh, frustrations and perspective. Fans went into the bye week frustrated by some stuff, and I'm honestly surprised. I'm really proud of us. We didn't really take all of the eyes of Texas bait. Didn't really happen. Proud of us for that. Nobody got really stupid over the bye week. Really proud of us for that. Nobody was the main character on Twitter over the weekend, so I'm pretty proud of you. Uh, for that as well, we did some light trolling, which was fine. Some we did some heavy trolling, which is great. But I, I just I want us all. We're we're going to the last four games of this year, and it's really going to define what the story of this year is going to be. These next four games, especially these next two games, really Kansas State and TCU uh, on the football field, they're really going to define the next the next the rest of the year and what the narrative we tell ourselves about it is. Um, and it's also going to in a lot of people's minds lock in a narrative about Steve Sarkeesian. And I want to caution you on that, right? Um, because there are other fan bases, some right down the road, some in the frozen north, that after a short period of time locked in a narrative about a specific coach, um, and it turned out to be wrong. Uh, 
I'm talking, of course, about the Michigan State Spartans and the Texas A&M Aggies. And both of them, after a too short of a window, locked in on a narrative about a coach. Tuck was coming. And so Tuck was due a $95 million extension. After one year, Jimbo Fisher, in a COVID-shortened year where things were weird, took A&M to his first 10-win season since I don't know, the Civil War. And um, the Aggies got excited and extended him on, an, on a contract that was already terrible and doubled it. Um, and so now, with some perspective and some added data points, um, if either of those men had reasonable buyouts, I don't know if they'd still be the coaches of those schools. Mel Tucker got beat so badly that his team, his players, decided to jump a player in the exit in the in the tunnel leading out of the big house by the way quit calling people thugs like it's we know what word you want to say just say it i'll say it with you um but like they're so terrible like kenneth walker got that man his kenneth walker created generational wealth for mel tucker and, and he owes him a cut right jimbo and his kid his chet hanks looking sons um are going to be set for life because of one year right and so i want to say that it is year two of the Steve Sarkeesian era, and we can probably start to see the trajectory of the program, but I want to caution you. I just want to caution you to write your narratives in pencil, not pen, because when you write your narratives in pen and you let somebody sign at the bottom of that for a big contract or make a big move because of it, you could look back in a couple of years and feel really silly. In completely unrelated news, Gerald, I have a fantastic deal on an NF Tuck. That's right, a Mel Tucker NFT. That is a real thing, <laughs> NF Tuck, that I can get you on the low right now uh, if you'd like to buy it off. No, I do not have Sh NF Tuck. Shocking. <laughs> Mel Tucker, bad financial decision. It, 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 it is a real thing, NF Tuck. Um, no, Gerald, I, I uh, whew, boy. Um, you know what's funny is, is also in Michigan there was a narrative that had started that Jim Harbaugh just couldn't get over the hump, and, and it seems like he finally has and so if you want to really extrapolate that out steve sarkeesian give him time let him build the program harbaugh got time and he seems like he's finally seeing it pay off his his version of um kind of mean nasty ugly hurts you roll over you punish you for four quarters football seems to be coming to fruition and and it's playoff level football consistently so time same coach program build it like you got to give coaches time, but you also don't necessarily want to give them giant extensions uh, before it's time. Like you have to, you have to walk that line, right? Like uh, a narrative can be written until you're Nick Saban level and you've done it for 15 consecutive years at that level. Um, just wait and see and, and give it time if you, if you think it can go, but uh, maybe don't just give it money. Don't just throw throw all the money at it in case it's not the one. But anyways, that's, Neither here nor there. Never want to take shots at Aggie. Sorry, sorry guys. I know you love this podcast, and, and sorry to, to get you with the one on the exit. I'm not. That's all we've got for you <laughs> this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back with our Kansas State football preview on Thursday in your podcast feed, so we look forward to having you then. And until then, hook them. Hook them. Nothing less than 20-point wins at Moody all year. Moody Magic, baby. Moody Magic.